Hi, everybody. This is Melinda Keckler from The Crinkled Cookbook, and you are listening to Eat Blog Talk. Hey, food bloggers. Are you ready to accomplish your 2023 goals faster than you ever thought possible? If you are nodding your head yes right now, the Eat Blog Talk Mastermind program might be a great fit for you. We are now accepting applications for 2023, and I will let you in on a little secret. If you sign up before the end of November 2022, you can lock in at the current pricing. Go to eblogtalk.com forward slash mastermind for more information and to apply. Here is a current member, Barbara from butterandbaggage.com talking about why the investment is so worthwhile. If you're really committed to making this a business, you've got to invest in yourself. And I think this is the best way to invest in yourself. It's hard to put a value on on what you're getting, but in, in this type of business, just having the resource of these people that can give you advice and can help you along that journey is, I just think, more valuable than anything, any other investment you can make. Hey, food bloggers, welcome to Eat Blog Talk, the podcast for food bloggers looking for the value and confidence that will move the needle forward in their businesses. This episode is sponsored by Rank IQ. I am your host, Megan Porta, and you are listening to episode number 353. Today, I have Melinda Keckler with me. She is going to talk to us about how to establish your blog's brand identity. Melinda is the recipe developer, content creator, photographer, and founder of the food blog, Crinkled Cookbook. She's been blogging since 2019 while juggling a full-time marketing job, two children, and a husband. For the past 14 years, she's worked in brand strategy and marketing and is applying those principles to help grow her food blog. She considers herself an early riser, but a late bloomer. Melinda is always looking for ways to reinvent herself, and she's eager to share her expertise. Hi, Melinda. I'm so happy to have you here. How are you today? Hi, Megan. I'm doing great. Thank you. And let me just say I am a big fan of this podcast, and the pleasure is really mine to be here. I'm just delighted. Oh, I love hearing that. (laughs) Thank you so, so much for listening. And yeah, let's get into your topic. But before we do that, we want to hear what your fun fact is. Oh, okay. So back in my early 20s, I did a study abroad in France. And it was for a summer and it was very specific. It was strategic. I wanted to become fluent in French. I'd taken French in high school and a couple of years in college. And I thought, you know, this is what I need to immerse myself in a French environment, all French speaking, so that I can become perfectly fluent. Oh my gosh. And you are, are you fluent? Ah, so here's where it's a fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I get there, I'm attending the uh, university there, and I'm living with a, a couple, I had a roommate, and we, we ended up having to walk like several miles each way to the university every day, <laughs> it was very hot, and so in the evenings when we'd get back with this nice couple, it was just exhausting, and I found myself not leaning into the French and more leaning into the English, <laughs> oh. <laughs> because they were very curious to be embrace a new language themselves. So anyway, somewhere in the south of France today... There is a family speaking near perfect English. Thanks. Oh my to my god! Study abroad. <laughs> it didn't work out quite the way I thought. <laughs> oh, that's like the story of life. I feel like you go into something <laughs> with one expectation or desired outcome, and something completely different comes out of it. But hey, you helped some people, right? I love that. That's how we're looking at it. Yes, <laughs> they were. They were awesome. So all good. Yes, that was a long time ago. <laughs> And that had to be extremely scary to just immerse yourself in a different part of the world. And yeah, that's very brave. 
For sure. Well, you know, it is. It's You grow from these experiences and we learn a lot about ourselves when you've realized you can't communicate with ease um, because living in a, in a space and you know coming and going and going in and out of restaurants and businesses where no one speaks your native language, that is hard. <laughs> we take that for granted, I think, so, I think so too. <laughs> much. Just the fact that we can communicate anytime we want to with anyone around us. Yeah. So true. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. I love it. So I alluded to this a little bit in your bio that I read through, but you have experience in marketing. So can you tell us just a little bit about why you are interested in this whole concept of identifying a brand and how you've come to marry this with your blog or blogging, I guess? Thank you. Well, you know, marketing and brand strategy is something that we should all be mindful about. I work, my day job is I'm a director of marketing. I interact with uh, a couple thousand employees at my place of employment. We talk brand strategy all the time. I've got, you know, a good sized team. There's a lot that we do to influence the brand of the organization where I work. And as I started food blogging, I realized, you know, all of these same principles can certainly apply to food blogging. And, you know, the nice thing about marketing strategy and brand identity is a lot of this stuff, it's really just a a shift in mindset for us. This isn't, it's not a heavy lift in terms of what we have to understand from a technical perspective. It just, it really is a shift in mindset. And so this is something, I mean, do as I say, not as I do, right? I'm, (laughs) I'm working hard to apply all of these things to my blog as well. My blog is still fairly young. I'm growing, but this, you know, brand strategy and, and brand identity and building your brand identity, that is not something that you can see in a 24 hour cycle in your Google analytics. It takes time. And we talk about that a lot as food bloggers, but I I really was excited to have this opportunity to share some of the insights that I have gleaned in these 14 years and share them with everybody because this will impact how the needle moves. I wanted to ask you really quick about the, you mentioned shifting your mindset. And I, you know, if you listen to eBlog Talk, which I know you do, you know, I'm big on mindset and just making those little shifts. So how do we shift our mindset to align with what you're talking about? So first and foremost, I'd like to do a little myth busting. Ooh, <laughs> and this is how we shift it. our mindset, right? So first of all, your brand is not your logo or your font style. Now, both of those things are a big part of our graphic identity for our brands. And as our blogs grow, those visual things are cues that tell our readers, ah, yes, okay, I've come to the right place. That is that familiar look and feel that I know represents this particular food blog. Consistency with those visual cues is really, really important. But our logo and our font, those are something, those are things that absolutely no one cares about except for us (laughs) because they are not the brand. And to help kind of settle this for just a second, I'd like to use an analogy and kind of step outside of our food blogging world. So think of your very favorite restaurant and why you like it and why you would recommend it to someone. So it's probably because the food is delicious. The service is great. The ambiance feels so good. The location is nice. Maybe you have great memories there. They're the reason why you recommend that restaurant and you enjoy eating there. The, The reason why you would recommend that restaurant, that's brand. I I mean, I've never heard someone say, oh, Melinda, you've got to try this new restaurant. And if I say, well, why? Oh, the font on the menu is so cute. (laughs) And the logo on the door. 
So those are cues, and it's obviously important for fonts to be legible, and it's important you know, that the logo be consistent and be pleasant to look at. But that's not your brand. And as painful as it is for us to think about, you know, we really don't own our brands. Brand lives within the experience that our readers have as they prepare our recipes and hopefully enjoy the outcome. We don't own our brand, but we can influence it. And there are things we can do, easy things, to influence and build our brand identity and brand affinity, which is really important. Oh my gosh, that was all so well said. I was taking notes like crazy. You wrote, you said so many gems. Brand lives in the experiences our readers have. Wow. And I love your analogy of just being in a restaurant. And that makes so much sense to me. I don't care about what's on the menu. I mean, I do often complain about the way menus look. Do you not? (laughs) I think we can all relate to that. Like, what are they thinking? But that's not why you love a restaurant. It's more about the feel, like how the people make you feel, the, the vibe, the food, like all of it coming together, right? So it's not like one or two elements. It's like a bunch of elements coming together. Exactly. It all lives in the mind of our audience, you know, and that's what I love about food blogging. When you think about the opportunity for brand building and establishing brand affinity with our audience and our readers, I mean, what could be a more communal, engaging experience than preparing food for someone? And that's what we are helping people find success with. So I think the opportunity for brand building and brand affinity is just limitless in food blogging. Oh my gosh. Amazing. So Can you tell me what the difference is between the words brand and marketing? Because I think we often get that those two confused, like they kind of meld together. They sure do. Right. (laughs) Well, marketing is meant to get people to do something. And people often think, well, marketing is advertising. Advertising is marketing. And actually advertising, paid advertising, that lives under the umbrella of marketing. Marketing is engagement that is message-driven, audience-driven. It's designed to prompt a response. The brand is the way people feel once they've engaged with our content. So marketing exists to get people to do something. And in marketing lingo, it's often called a conversion. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And depending on the platform that we're posting our content to, you know, that conversion can be different. I mean, sometimes all we really want people to do is to come to our websites. That's the mothership of all conversions for us food bloggers, right? We want sessions, we want page views, we want people to come to our website. So marketing is a tool to influence brand identity. It's a tool to influence how people perceive our blogs. It's a tool to help people feel our brands and connect with our brand story. You know, as as lovely as it would be to think that people come to our blogs, they dive into our about section and they pour with rapt attention over every post to get to know us better. You know, that's just not how it happens. The onus is on us to use tools to influence our perceptions, which kind of kind of leads into another myth I would like to bust. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Your brand is not what you post on social media. Not that right. I know I'm busting mm. myths here. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Put on your marketing, let's put on our marketing strategist hats here for a second. Your social media posts, that's engagement. That's marketing. That's marketing for your food blog. That is marketing for your food blog. You know, we tend to care so much about those big conversions, that driving people to our website, sessions and page views. But as we all know, this is a long game and brand affinity, brand affinity is not something measured again, in a quick cycle, a day cycle in Google Analytics. So social media is a marketing tool to help build and sustain 
brand affinity. Okay. So you are blowing my mind. I'm just trying to like absorb this all. So (laughs) what we post on socials that is supporting the way that people feel about what we're delivering. Right. So it's a tool to get people into our world and to get them to feel like that amazing restaurant that they walk into. Correct. So we want people, we want to build brand affinity. We want someone to consider us a trusted source, an expert. We want raving fans to be a part of our, you know, a vibrant community of, of our food blog. We want people to know our name. They want, we want them to know the name of our blog and enjoy engaging with our content and return to our blog time and time again. So I think, you know, it's important to kind of, in, in marketing, we often talk about the marketing Um, Depending on the industry, it's a funnel, it's an upside down pyramid, it can be kind of a tiered approach with a ladder. But I think, you know, kind of applying again, becoming hiring ourselves as our chief marketing strategist for our food blogs, I think is really important. And to think about that marketing funnel, as we're thinking about the different tools that we use to engage engage our audience with our content. So everybody, the the way the funnel works is everybody, everyone starts at the same level. Everyone is completely unaware that our blog even exists. That's how the world is. That's where the potential lies. (laughs) Awareness is that first step on the ladder, that first entry point into the funnel. Awareness is where someone for the first time finds our blogs, maybe in Google search, or they happen to stumble upon some of our content on Pinterest. Maybe someone, God bless them, shares our post on Facebook. (laughs) So awareness is really important because nobody gets to brand affinity without knowing you exist. So that kind of leans into the value of our social media content, of our Instagram, of, you know, being active on Facebook in some capacity or Pinterest. So awareness is really important. You know, that having a great user experience on your webpage, making sure that we're, you know, doing the right things so that we're trusted as well in the eyes of Google and and our content is being served up in Google search. Awareness is really, really important. So that's the first step. The next step, and there's only a couple, (laughs) is engagement. (laughs) So this is where our audience does something. This is that conversion point. Marketing is designed to get people to do something, remember? So engagement is often where that conversion happens. And so for instance, sometimes when we get like an, oh, if we're lucky enough to get a national media placement, we'll see a nice spike in engagement. And, you know, that's when someone will click on a recipe, maybe they'll print our recipe. And maybe if we're really lucky, they'll subscribe or, you know, something wonderful like that. But the fact is, at that point of engagement, they are on our food blog. And that's just where we want them to be. So at that point in the marketing funnel, that's where the strength of our food blog really shines. Is our photography strong? Are the recipes written well? Are they accurate? Is the user experience on the website a good one? So engagement is that place where we see people kind of experience our brand, experience the brand of our food blogs at the first step. So the next step is familiarity. And this is where it starts getting harder because we can easily lose people after that first conversion point. I mean, look at our Google Analytics. There's, there's, you know, a X number of people who will come to our website every month. We see that in our sessions and our page views. And of course, we want to put our arms around and hug every single one of those. <laughs> I totally get it. But we want them to come back. We want them to know that we're a trusted authority. We want to know, we want them to know that we will help them succeed in the kitchen. And of course, this is where the content on our pages and the quality of our content just pays 
dividends, it's really, really important that people feel familiar with us. This is also where our social media content helps fuel that familiarity placement in in the marketing funnel, because that's a great place where we can let our personalities shine and we can help people recognize that we are just like them and we're raising children or we're busy working or we've got the same challenges that they have. Familiarity is really, really um, an important part of the funnel for people to experience. So the next one then, and this is where, this is the mothership, right? This is where we find our most loyal readers and our biggest fans, brand affinity. That's ah, that's what we're trying to achieve. We want people to remember us and return to our website time and time again. You know, brand affinity is not something that's measured again in, in two or three weeks. It's, I would say, this is that real long game that we talk about. Uh, you know, take a look at at the growth of your food blog over three months, six months, ideally year over year. How many folks are coming back to your website? How many open your emails if they're subscribers? How many keep opening them? Is your blog growing? That is really the, the true test of whether you have achieved or are building brand affinity. But to really embrace those social media tools because they help build brand affinity, even though Sometimes we're not getting maybe an immediate conversion. I I see this sometimes in in Facebook groups, people talking about, you know, why am I doing Instagram reels? I mean, I'm not seeing a conversion directly in my Google Analytics. And I get that because I look at like Instagram, for instance, I don't get a, a large amount of traffic to my food blog from Instagram. But I know that there is value in posting, especially video content there. And I wanted to talk a little bit about video content and the value that it truly has in growing brand affinity. Because again, I'm a marketing person talking, that's the secret sauce of building Mm. brand affinity. Video and audio engagement. That is where people are much more likely to remember you. And there is data to prove that. There is research, science that shows that if someone reads text, their retention level is, I think it's like 10%. Video content, if people see a video, their retention level is, it skyrockets to like 85, 90%. I mean, there's data to support that taking a really quick break from the episode to chat about Rank IQ, my favorite keyword research tool that is made just for bloggers. Maybe you are looking for a more efficient way to do keyword research and you're looking for a way to open up space in your business so you can work on other projects, or maybe just so you can take some much needed time off throughout the year. I will share about a strategy quick that I employed earlier this year. It required four intensive months of work and has produced a nice fruitful crop of blog traffic and blog revenue. During those four months, I published 57 blog posts, all of which were run through the Rank IQ keyword research tool and optimizer, and most of which were non-recipe content. So they did not require recipe development, cooking, or photography. It has been over five months since that period ended, and my organic traffic is at an all-time high. My blog traffic is up 64% year over year, and that number keeps growing thanks to this strategy. Go to rankiq.com to check it out for yourself. I hope you love it as much as I do. Now let's get back to the episode. So that tells me that, okay, I want people to remember my food blog. I want them to remember my content. They might not come back immediately. They might not hop right over to my website, but I know that by using this strategic marketing tool, video. I am putting the cards in my favor that I'm building brand affinity with those folks who see the video. So 
I mean, again, this is kind of a do as I say, not as I do. I mean, full disclosure, before I got into marketing, I was a broadcast journalist for 15 years. I was on television every single day. I was a TV news anchor and a reporter. And yet I still, when I'm thinking about, all right, I've got to get something posted on Instagram, there's still a part of me that I'm like, oh, my kitchen's a mess. Yeah. Oh, my hair didn't, doesn't look very good. <laughs> and I have to, even with the experience that I have, I still have to kind of push myself to make sure all right, I want to build brand affinity. And I know that even though the conversion rate might not be what I want immediately, this is a long game. And so I am personally making a commitment to myself and my food blog to really commit myself to video and to do something at least once a week that I know is visually strong. It's a video. It might be kind of silly. That's okay. My kitchen might be a little messy. That's okay. Again, we're looking to build brand affinity and video is one of those ways that we can certainly do it. The data doesn't lie. Oh my gosh, that was so, so good. And you put words to something that's been on my mind lately because there's not a direct link to a lot of things that we do to like results, right? So like, why am I doing TikTok again? There's not a direct result. Or like you said, why are we doing Instagram reels? There's not something that we can directly tie that to. But there's more deep down. I can feel I am all about the long game and I can feel that it ties into the long game and you just put words to exactly why. So thank you. I think you just showed up in my life to explain exactly what I've been trying to put words to. Thank you, Melinda. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Thank you. That was described so well. And I really appreciate that. I think this is going to help clarify a lot of things for food bloggers and just give them permission to do those things without seeing a result tomorrow or next week. Like we just have to put in that work. You mentioned video work and audio. I've been a huge proponent of for a while because I think, tell me what you think, but audio is almost as powerful as video in building that, as you call it, brand affinity because people love hearing your voice, right? Do you agree with that? A hundred percent. Yes. I think that audio has tremendous value in helping people get to know you and build an emotional connection with you. There is absolutely no doubt. I think it's one of those magical tools that we have at our disposal. And that's what's so amazing. We don't have to go hire someone to do this work for us and, and write big checks. This is stuff we can do. We you know, can download certain software. We can make small investments here and there to help our content shine. But I mean, <laughs> with social media and the various platforms that we have at our disposal, I mean, the time has really never been better to tap into that and to, you know, you don't have to become the most proficient user of any of these platforms to, to grow even a little audience there and to have that audience get to know you, whether it's audio or video or visuals. But again, I just think the secret sauce is definitely in, in tapping into those things that build a real human connection and the power of voice and the power of people seeing us and how we engage and listening to our voices. I think that just, uh, it's just, it's magical, the things that can happen. And so powerful. Magical and powerful are the best words to describe that. (laughs) So I was trying to think as you were talking through the steps of ways to go from familiarity to brand affinity. And you covered some of those, like just tapping into the human voice, also just consistency, like figuring out what you need to do and then doing it over and over and over and seeing it as a long game. Also authenticity, showing up as your real self and not trying to be somebody else or trying to 
be your competition or just being you, being real, showing up with your messy kitchen like you were talking about. It doesn't need to be perfect. (laughs) What are some other ways to go from being familiar to achieving that brand affinity? So I think there's a lot of value in in having our blogs be very distinctive. And there's only so much we can do, right? They are still websites at the end of the day. But there are words we can use that can be uniquely ours. There are, you know, in, in marketing, we often refer to them as brand attributes. They're often often referred to as setting an intention for your business. And I think when we we look at what national brands do to really achieve that distinction, we can kind of glean from that the power of words and the power of creating a human connection, even with just kind of the look and feel of our websites and the content on our blogs. So, I mean, I guess just to use as an example, some of the national brands that clearly do it very well. Think about Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. <laughs> BMW, ultimate driving machine. Nike just do it. And these are intentions that are woven through all of their marketing, all of their advertising, their products. I mean, that's, those are powerful words that were chosen with great care to help build and sustain brand affinity. And so I would, I would encourage people to look at their food blogs. I know I do this too. I mean, you know what I need to, it's not just about having a list of four words and kind of weaving those into all of our content, although that matters, but to really tap into what, what is the personality of our blog? What, what do we want to say first and foremost, when people talk about our blogs with their friends, you know, or if they prepare a recipe from our food blogs and it turns out really great. And hopefully that's always the case (laughs) and they're getting compliments on the food, on the food. We desperately, we want people to say, ah, I got that recipe from Pippa Nebby. Megan is really an awesome food blogger. (laughs) Yes. We don't want people to say, oh, I don't know. I got it off the internet. Right. Or I don't know. I got it off some food blog. And so the more we can really build in kind of that structure that that, that makes it easy for people to recall and remember who we are and why we exist in the food blogging space, I think that's really, really powerful. So, you know, think about the national brands and, and what they do. Again, national brands spend millions of dollars every year on marketing strategy and building brand affinity. So I think we owe it to ourselves to spend a little time And to look at a lot of what we're doing anyway through a little different lens and hire ourselves as the chief marketing strategist. I think we will be pretty pleased with the outcome. Great advice. I often think to look to people who have already done it and who are spending millions just as a way (laughs) to like, what, you know, like, what am I not doing? What are they doing that's working? And what can I learn from that, basically? So I think that is really good advice. How can we take ourselves through the process of kind of assessing where we're at and maybe making improvements? So again, it's not something measured in a day. So I would say, look back at the past six months of traffic to your food blog in Google Analytics, your readers. Are you seeing growth? That's a good sign. If you're not, I would say, look at kind of lean into that subscriber list. I think that's a real, that place is Oh, that those those folks have taken a huge step by saying, you know what, I'm going to engage with your content and I'm going to give you my email address. So take a peek at how many people are opening those emails, how many people are coming back and reopening those emails, how much traffic are you driving, how many people are coming from that from their email from their inbox to your website, keep track of that. 
and and look for ways. If it's not growing, then that's like, okay, maybe I need to get a little more active in some of my social media platforms. Maybe I need to post a little more content and make sure I'm sharing that with people who might reshare it. I think there are things that we can do. There's there's more available to us than it might seem because it is daunting. And I get it. There are so many new things to learn. It feels like every day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But this is really just a mindset and an approach and making a commitment. And then, you know, it's a lot of testing, seeing what works and what doesn't. I know some of the social media platforms can feel disappointing. I mean, there are times when I feel like, oh, look at those gorgeous pictures that I just posted on as a Pinterest idea pen. It's like it just flatlines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Other times, I'll just kind of throw something together. Usually it has a little video involved and that thing will take off. I mean, there's an idea pen I have. I cannot believe the gargantuan amount of impressions that it yes. has. It's like holy cow. So it's really about consistency, showing up, taking a peek at those long-term analytics and the long-term engagement that you're seeing. And then, you know, just work to get to change a little bit something every single day and to just fan that flame of marketing strategy. I am a hundred percent convinced that it will pay off. And speak on the long game a bit, because I think this is such an important thing to touch on, and I feel like it's really appropriate here. I hear so much in our space, people getting frustrated and overwhelmed, and they're like, where's my success? It's been a year or two years. And I just feel like in the most loving way possible, just like settle down a little bit. This is not a short situation. And if you think of it that way, it's only going to bring you frustration. And of course, you're never going to grow because you're going to just muddy it with frustrating thoughts. So speak on that, like just, I don't know, kicking your feet up, enjoying the journey and seeing it as a long game. Mm, Yeah. Kicking your feet up and enjoying the journey. That is so powerful and so true. I mean, even if you have a million dollar budget <laughs> and just for marketing or advertising, you know, if you are a national brand, these things don't happen overnight. I mean, yeah, and now and then you hear about something that goes viral and oh, lots of <laughs> lots of national exposure. That's rare. That's rare. Yeah. So put that on a shelf and don't even look at it. <laughs> But I think it's important that we just all look at our own Google Analytics and look at our own experiences as food bloggers and know that, you know, when we're doing the right things, we will grow, but it does take time. So, you know, are our food blogs structured in in the right way? Is the user experience where we want it to be? And to, to you know, to get to get advice and counsel from good places and to, you know, use that lens to make adjustments here and there, but to really only worry about ourselves, our own brand, and the people who come to our website, our wonderful readers. And just to think about amplifying what we can to help influence how those folks come to our website and how they perceive our content. I think that's really first and foremost. I mean, it's, it's, I understand completely (laughs) competitors and and wanting to rank higher than somebody else and all that. And I would say, while it's really important, of course, to be mindful of how your content is doing, I think it's probably more important to be mindful about how your readers are engaging with your content and, and how it's really impacting their lives and helping them solve a problem, answer a question, and most importantly, serve delicious food to their friends and families. This is so great. I, I'm loving this conversation. What a great way to start my day. Thank you so Aww. much. <laughs> oh my goodness. This is packed with gems. 
What are we missing? Is there anything that we've left out of this conversation that you just want to make sure we deliver to food bloggers? Well, I just, I want people to know that this is, this is not hard. It's just a shift in mindset. So to look at all of the tools we have at our disposal and to embrace them, to figure out how to use them, you know, none of us have to be photojournalists or social media experts. There are ways we can tap into the resources that are really available to us in, you know, one quick trip to the internet (laughs) and to just really embrace that and to give it a try. And, you know, the thing is, as food bloggers, we are the CEO, we are the CFO, and we're also the chief marketing strategist. So these decisions are ours. And, you know, it's, it's one more thing that we're in charge of, but that's, it's not super, super hard. Again, it's just a shift in our mindset. All right. Well, make that simple shift and heed all of Melinda's amazing advice. (laughs) And I just love, I love this message just to kind of see it as a long game and to put in the work of, you know, engaging, getting your audience to engage with you, getting them familiar with you and achieving that brand affinity over time. Are people coming back? Are you getting growth and kind of reassessing from time to time, right? How often do you recommend that we take a look back and just kind of evaluate? I'd say three months is a pretty pretty fast turnaround. Six months is feasible. I think year to year is really where you're going to get the best insight. And I know that's a long time, but I think you need to give yourself a chance because think about our own experiences again. You know, how, how long does it take us to really get a sense that some product or organization or business or another blog is, is having an impact on our lives? I mean, in marketing, we know it takes between six and eight kind of touch points. It takes multiple it takes multiple exposures for someone to really understand, oh, there's something going on over there that I think I want to buy that product, or I think I want to subscribe to that website, or I think I want to, you know, become more engaged with that, that, that brand. So, you know, it's, it's never just one thing. I say this a lot in my day job when people ask, well, what should we have money? What should we be spending it on? I'm like, you know, it's not just one thing. If it was one thing, we would do that one thing all day long. We have to look at it as we need multiple different ways to engage with our audience using different platforms and, and ways for them to feel like they're getting to know us so that we become the trusted resource that we want for them. So great, Melinda. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been a pleasure and I cannot wait to publish this episode. You're a wealth of knowledge. (laughs) Thank you, Megan. It's been wonderful. Yes. Thank you so much. Do you have either a favorite quote or words of inspiration in addition to everything you've shared to leave us with today? Well, there's a quote that's often attributed to Lucille Ball that I really love. Uh, It's, if you want something done, ask a busy person to do it. The more you do, the more you can do. And what I love about that quote is, as food bloggers, we are all so busy. You know, many of us have other jobs. We are, maybe you're raising young children, helping aging parents, dealing with health issues. There's, I mean, I don't think very many people are like, you know, I'm food blogging and that's it. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> nope. So many, <laughs> so many things that we, we do in addition to food blogging. And, and there's so many things that are a part of food blogging. But to recognize that really the more you do the more you can do. And it's so true. I think about, you know, think about busy times in our life and how or during that moment, that period of busyness, it's like, wow, look at all that stuff I did. How did I pull that off? And that's, 
you know, when we're really working efficiently and, and we are capable of more than we might think. (laughs) Oh, that is so great. Especially for food bloggers to hear because we do have so much, I feel like. Yes. Perfect way to end. (laughs) We will put together a show notes page for you, Melinda. If anyone wants to go look at those, you can go to eblogtalk.com forward slash crinkled cookbook. And why don't you share where everyone can find you online, social media, et cetera. Yes, thank you. So I am on Pinterest, Crinkle Cookbook, and on Instagram. And if you are a, a young food blogger, an old food blogger, <laughs> find me on Pinterest and I'll be happy to find you back. So, or, or Pinterest or Instagram. Yes, we're all friends. <laughs> yes, we are all friends. Thank you again so much, Melinda, for everything you've shared today. Thank and you. thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eat Blog Talk. Please share this episode with a friend who would benefit from tuning in. I will see you next time.